And uh, we are, as Martin and Steph said, in the final Sunday of our teaching series um, this week, looking at this question, who is this king? So we're going to have a look at this Bible passage in a moment. You might want to find it if you've got a church Bible. It's on page 1179. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Now, last summer... Anna and I spent just over a week uh, on holiday in Kenya, and it was really great. We did some safari and traveled around and so on. Uh, But one of the things that we did as part of that holiday was we spent some time staying in Nairobi, the capital city of Kenya, and we did a tour around the Kibera slum. Um, The Kibera slum is the largest uh, slum in Africa, um, has over a million people living there, On the outskirts of the city, it's this vast, vast settlement. And we were shown round by a a lovely tour guide called Moses. Uh, Moses lived in Kibera, had raised his family in Kibera, and uh, alongside other things, showed tourists round to really educate them about what life in this slum was like. And Kibera's... um, So Moses was quite a a political guy. Uh, He was really interested in educating local people and helping them to better themselves, in helping them to educate themselves and improve their quality of life. And we got into conversation with Moses about the state of politics in Kenya. And it was really interesting what his insights were. So he said, you know, the trouble is local people in this country go into politics for good reasons. But once they've got elected into positions of power, they often end up using their position and their money and their privilege for their own ends. They employ their family members, they buy large houses for themselves and expensive cars, they send their children to private schools, they forget about serving the communities that they came from, and public servants stop serving. And, you know, that goes a little way to describing something of what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this Bible passage that we're going to read together in just a moment, this idea of servanthood. Now, we've had um, eight Sundays now looking at this topic of who is this king, of who is Jesus. Over eight different Sundays, we've looked at different perspectives on who Jesus is, on his character, and some of those weeks um, have been more challenging, perhaps, than others. But we come into land this week looking at Jesus as a servant. Now, I'm going to just forewarn you here because we're going to do something at the end of my talk which is going to be a bit different to normal. So I'm giving you a heads up now so that you can get your thinking caps on and start preparing. I'm going to give us a few moments at the end of my talk this morning for a little bit of group discussion excuse me, a little bit of group discussion and any questions that you want to ask, either about this morning's talk or, if your memories are as sharp as this, about anything that we've looked at over the course of this teaching series on Jesus. So some of you will love that and you'll think, great, an opportunity to put Johnny on the spot and ask some really awkward questions. Some of you will think, oh, I've got to talk to my neighbour, how awkward. Um, But it's fine, Pete. So... um, (laughs) 
So, uh, just to give you a bit of a heads up, I'm going to give you a few moments at the end. So, be thinking maybe of some questions that you want to discuss and then to ask um, at the end. We're in the book of Philippians this week, and it's another one of the Apostle Paul's letters. This is a letter that he wrote to the church in the Greek city of Philippi. So, let's read it together. Philippians 2, and we're looking at verses 1 through to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, Another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So Paul begins this letter, this extract, by talking to his readers about the need to follow the example of Jesus in the way that they deal and interact with one another. So have a look at verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In other words, practice humility and put others first. Now, that's fairly simple. Paul really there is just building on the teaching of Jesus, who said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That isn't a new teaching. But then Paul, in verses 6 to 11, seems to go further and deeper. Have a look at those verses in your Bible, verses 6 to 11, and you'll notice something about the way that they are set out in your Bible. The text is slightly indented on the page. It looks like it's a quotation that's been taken from somewhere else, um, and that's because it is. So we think that these verses, 6 to 11, were probably a song or a poem of worship that was either in existence in the church already, so these were familiar words like songs and hymns that we sing that were already in circulation in the church and Paul is quoting them, or possibly this is something that Paul wrote himself. But they're powerful, powerful words. And what do we learn from them? Have a look at verse 6. This is talking about Jesus. 
Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So on the one hand, the Apostle Paul is really clear with us here. Jesus is God. Okay, that is unequivocal in Paul's teaching. He is holy. He is to be worshipped. Jesus is king. Jesus is equal to God the Father in every way. It says so here in the text. But Jesus did not consider his position and his power to be something to be utilised for his own advantage. Instead, Jesus humbles himself. He takes on human form and the form of a servant. And this is our focus this morning, that Jesus comes to us as God, but as a servant. I wonder if we could have the first slide up, Roshan. I wonder how many of you watch Call the Midwife. Any Call the Midwife fans in the room? Yeah, I'm a bit of a sucker for Call the Midwife. We were... um, we were watching it on catch-up last night. And um, who knows who this is? Which character? Sister Julienne, okay. So she's the most, uh, the most senior nun in Nanata's house at the moment. Um, so Nanata's house, um, which is a, um, a midwifery house uh, where there's a religious order in, in Poplar uh, in the east end of London. And this is Sister Julienne. There was an amazing episode in this current series where Sister Julianne did something that she had never done since taking her religious vows. She took off her habit and all of her religious garb, dressed in ordinary clothes, combed out her hair, and walked out into the street, walked around the market, went to the cinema, did really normal, ordinary things, not as Sister Julienne with all of those outward trappings, but as a private citizen. When Sister Julienne walks out around Poplar looking like this, she gets noticed, she's acknowledged, people doff their caps to her, they greet her, she has some status, she has some privilege, she has a position. When she took these things off and went outside in normal clothes, she was barely noticed. She was ignored. Anybody that did speak to her actually insulted her and she had some abuse thrown at her. She had no position, no privilege, no outward respect. Now, she had not changed, okay? The vows that she'd taken, the identity that she had, the person God had called her to be remained unchanged, but her outward appearance was changed so that she humbled herself. Um, Next slide. Who knows who this is? Pope Francis, okay? Now, um, when Pope Francis became Pope, all kinds of stories over a number of weeks and months began to find their way um, into the media. And there were, there were rumours of an ordinary Catholic priest wandering the streets of Rome at night, dressed in normal clothes, feeding and talking to the homeless population of Rome. 
And for a long while, people wondered, who, who is this, this mysterious Catholic priest? And it came to light that this was Pope Francis. No media entourage, no bodyguards, no big kind of press announcement. This is the most powerful man in the whole of the Roman Catholic Church. And there he was, wandering the streets of Rome, ordinary, in ordinary clothes, ministering to the down and out. This is something close to what the Apostle Paul is wanting to communicate to us in this Bible passage in Philippians. This is what Paul says, Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a servant. Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a servant. The original language there is Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself. The Greek word that theologians use there is kenosis. Kenosis. It's an emptying of his, um, of his privilege, of his status, of his outward power. Now, let's be really clear here about what Paul is and isn't saying. Jesus does not stop being God. He does not stop being holy. He does not stop being powerful. But he chooses to divest himself of the outward trappings and appearances of that power. In the same way that Pope Francis didn't stop being Pope Francis when he wandered the streets of Rome serving the poor, Jesus remains holy, remains God, but chooses to lay aside the outward majesty, prestige, and trappings of power. Why? To serve to come and be one of us and to serve us. And here, folks, is the rub. He calls us to follow his example. Now, most Christians, when they hear this teaching, think, oh, that's lovely. I can get on board with that kind of teaching. That's the kind of Jesus I can sign up to. The servant washing his disciples' feet, being humble. Yeah, we should all be like that. Until they begin to realize what it actually looks like in practice. Now, last week, um, can anyone remember I showed you a certificate? Can anyone remember what that certificate was? My marriage certificate, okay? So I have a different certificate to show you this week. So this certificate is my, um, this is my ministry certificate, okay? So this is my bishop's license. Uh, this is signed by uh, the Bishop of Buckingham on behalf of the Bishop of Oxford. And this is a legal document that sets out the authority that has been given to me as the minister of this church, the length of time I have that authority for, the scope of that authority. Um, and I am here as the minister of this church with the authority of the bishop and of our denomination. And that sets out that authority. It's the same for all priests and ministers in the Church of England. We all have these licenses that set out the authority that has been given to us. Now, you don't see that 
certificate most of the time, and that authority is kind of an internal thing and a thing that's often behind the scenes, but there are outward ways in which my authority as a leader is often presented and demonstrated. So at the 9.30 service this morning, which is our traditional service, I was wearing robes, and what I did to make this point was I took all those robes off and said, look, my authority is unchanged, but I'm taking off some of the outward demonstrations of that power and authority that's been given to me. Now, I don't very often in this service wear one of these, um, a clerical collar. I'm I'm wearing it this morning for a reason, because I want to make a point. Um, But this is one of the ways in which Anglican clergy outwardly demonstrate the role that we hold. And effectively, what Jesus does is this. Jesus has all the authority of the Father, and that remains unchanged. But he makes a choice to do this. And to outwardly... That shocked you, didn't it? (laughs) For the benefit of the recording, I've just cut my dog collar up. Um, So to outwardly shed that power and status. Each of us in life find ourselves both in a position where we exercise authority and influence and when we, where we are under authority and influence. Now, you might not think that in your life you always exercise that much authority, but you do in one way or another, whether that is in your family, whether that is with your friends, whether that is in work or in church, all of us exercise a degree of influence, and all of us are under the influence and the authority of others. And neither Paul nor Jesus are against hierarchy. And this is a mistake people often make when they read the Bible. They read Jesus and they read Paul and they think, oh great, Christianity is like some kind of, you know, hippie sort of, you know, alternative lifestyle, which is all about sticking it to the man. And it's not. Actually, Jesus affirms authority and affirms systems. So this is not about everyone being equal. It is about humility and obedience and serving. And I want you to think for a moment of an area in your life where you exercise influence or authority over other people. Family, friends, work, in church. Think of an area where you exercise some influence over other people. And this is the Bible's challenge to you. Do you use that position of influence and authority? Do you see it as something to be leveraged for your advantage, for your comfort, for your prestige, to get what you want? In our country, we call our politicians public servants. But we've seen what happens when public servants stop Serving, and they use their position to feather their own nest, to line their own pockets, to advance their own interests, create a name and a profile for themselves, feed their own egos. And it's not just politicians that do this. We see it in business, we see it in families, and we see it in the church all the time. 
How do you exercise the authority and the influence that you have been given? Do you do so to serve others? Think now of where you are under authority, where you're under the authority or under the influence of other people. I recently heard of somebody um, who worked in a a hierarchical organization, and uh, they said to their line manager, quote, yeah, I don't really do hierarchy. Which doesn't really work, does it? Because what that meant was this person just wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to be a bit of a loose cannon. They wanted to refuse to submit. They wanted really not to do the things that they were being asked to do. And that's ungodly behavior because it's its own form of selfishness. It's about putting your needs above the needs of the organization or the community that you're part of and wanting to do things on your terms. And Jesus modeled obedience. He was obedient, though he was God himself. He was obedient to the Father all the way to death on a cross. So if you are under authority, what is your attitude towards that authority? And it's not about being a doormat, and it's not about being a yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir kind of a person, but it is about choosing to serve others above serving the needs of yourself. And whether you feel like in life you have lots of power or a little amount of power, whether you are primarily exercising influence or under the influence of others, this is a heart attitude that we need to examine in ourselves, and it massively challenges challenges the culture that we live in because the culture that we live in says to us look after number one put your own needs first and the thing is Jesus and Paul say the absolute opposite have a look at verses 9 to 11 where Paul concludes this passage And we sort of end this series here right back where we started. We started this series at the beginning of January with the wise men, the magi, coming to Jesus and acknowledging him as king and worshipping him. And we see that again here. Jesus is exalted to the very highest place. He's given the name above every other name. At his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So make no mistake about it, folks. Jesus is king. He is Lord. He is God. He has been given authority. But he is the servant king. He is the servant king. And we, as his followers, have been given authority. We have been given the authority of Jesus. Question is, how will we use it? How will we exercise that authority? Will we exercise that authority as servants? Serving the needs of others above those of ourselves.